0: Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor, Joe Kerr, with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View from the Wall.
1: Welcome to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan Burrows along with Joseph Kerr, and we are here with another exciting episode with you. Today, we talk with Pastor Philip DeCourcy, Senior Pastor of Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California. He's also a fellow Christian broadcaster on the daily program, Know the Truth. Pastor Philip, welcome to A View from the Wall.
2: Dylan, Joe, it's a... Good to be back with you guys and uh, grace and peace to your listeners.
1: Yes, well, we enjoyed our last conversation with you and are excited to talk with you again. But our world has certainly changed in the time since then. Now we have churches that are being forced to meet at home. We have the pandemic that's spread across our world now with COVID 19 that has completely changed church life. And we've learned a lot as the American church during this pandemic, and it's still not behind us yet. As we begin, talk a little bit about what you would like to see churches doing as a result of this pandemic we've been facing.
2: Well, you're right. I mean, these are unsettling days, and and we've been reminded how quickly the world changes and how global things are. But, you know, in the midst of it, uh, the the people of God need to be the, the people of God. And you know, uh, I think right now uh, we're we're working with some constraints and limitations. But, uh, you know, at the same time, we can fulfill the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, which is really our commission and mission anyway, which is to preach the gospel and to love our neighbors. And this is a unique opportunity to do that. And I've just been reminding our people while we are not meeting physically which is something we miss dearly. Nevertheless, actually, it's one of those verses, guys, have been thinking about. If you kind of paraphrase it, it says the church was scattered, and wherever the disciples went, uh, they gossiped the gospel. And we certainly want to do that right now and continue to do that, embrace, uh, you know, media platforms and use technology to the best of our ability. We trust that we can be the the hands and the feet for Christ and love our neighbors and His contacts look out for those folks that are, are most of vulnerable, watch out for our seniors, and and, uh, certainly pray and salute our uh, frontline, you know, medical staff and and EMT and police and and all of that. And I think when we come through this, I hope we don't lose, guys, something of the desperation of these times. I was thinking about 2 Corinthians uh, 1, verse 9, where Paul talks about a time in his life when he faced suffering and stress. And... and, um, he talks about the sentence of death that kind of was upon him, his life hung in the balance. And yet he said, "The good of it was that that it it was given and brought about, so that he wouldn't trust in himself, but trust in God." And I, I and I fear sometimes we saw it a little with nine eleven. When we get through these emergencies, we go back to life as normal. And certainly, as the church, that shouldn't be. I hope this keeps us dependent upon God. It, I hope it. Uh, continues to detox our dependence on materialism as life is being reduced to its basics we've seen the, the benefit of the family as kind of the primary unit within within God's world uh, we're reminded that you know the greatest virus of all is the virus of sin and the universality of death and the gospel's important so I'll stop there. But, you know, let's continue to do what we're doing. And when we get back to a little bit more normalcy, let's just multiply that and expand that and fulfill the Great Commission and the Great Commandment.
3: I saw in your online church that you'd been preaching during the quarantine, teaching through the Psalms. Why the Psalms? And tell our listeners a little bit about what you've been talking about.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I was in a series, Guys, on Heaven, actually, when COVID kind of descended on the world in the United States. And, you know, there are times in a pastor's life where you've got to just sense the moment and understand what you're dealing with. And Heaven was a great enough series to deal with that. But the Psalms have been a, a book the church has turned to throughout its history. It was often on the lips of the Lord Jesus. In fact, he died quoting the Psalms. Uh, we think of our, our forefathers and the martyrs of the Protestant Reformation and the Scottish Covenanters and so on. The book of Psalms has always been a refuge of God's people. I was teaching our people, guys, um, that the Psalms speak to us, right? Because they're the word of God and therefore they're profitable to instruct us in righteousness and and correct us, rebuke us and equip us. But they not only speak to us, they speak for us because all the emotions that a man or a woman can feel in life, fear, guilt, you know, um, it's there in the Psalms and the Psalmists speak for us. When you read the Psalms, you feel as if you wrote them yourselves. Old John McNeil of Scotland, when he read Psalm 23 said, I feel as though I wrote it myself. And the other thing I've taught our congregation is not only do the Psalms speak to us and for us, they help us speak. They give us language to go before God. And what I did was I chose a segment of the Psalms. There's different categories, enthronement Psalms, lament Psalms, thanksgiving Psalms. There's a series of Psalms called the trust Psalms. And these are Psalms that people express confidence in God in the midst of turmoil. And so we looked at Psalm 46, God's our refuge and help and, you know, and strength in in present trouble. We looked at Psalm 91 about sheltering in place, abiding in the secret place with the Almighty, staying close to God, remembering that God is in the midst of the situation. We looked at Psalm 11. What what do the righteous do if the foundations are removed or shaken? How appropriate guys is that and what do we do in a world that's shaken and our country's kind of doesn't know which way to turn where we're throwing money against the wall and hoping that somehow that works our best minds and scientists are giving us one path to take and then another path to take what, what do we do when when the foundations are shaken and immediately in psalm 11 verse 4 it says we will look to god in heaven who sits on his throne and so, uh, you know, people can access that off our church website, org. But I wanted to remind our people, in, in the words of Martin, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, faith is a refusal to panic. And the last thing we should be doing as the church during the COVID crisis is to panic. We've got reason after reason to trust God. And the Psalms helped our people because they spoke to them, for them, and they helped our people speak to God in prayer through these wonderful promises of God's sufficiency and sovereignty. We loved it. And I think the series would be a blessing to some of your listeners.
1: Well, those are some great words to share when we come to this topic of the pandemic. And I think of Psalm 57 in particular that talks about David when he fled from Saul into the cave that begins with, have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. Many have taken this time to really turn to the Lord more uh, fully, to more of a surrender. Talk a little bit about perhaps some of the spiritual things that are happening in the lives of people in your congregation and beyond as people are at home more during this time of quarantine.
2: Yeah, man, I think some of it's good. I think some of them are getting a little bit of cabin fever and and, and (laughs) and are are, are allowing their minds to kind of... You know, go in all kinds of directions. On the good side, as I said earlier, I think it's uh, we're being reminded of of the importance of the family and how the family strengthens the church and is the cornerstone of a good society. We're being reminded, you know what? At the end of the day, we don't need as much as we think we do and having food and clothing, be, be content. I'm I'm excited. Our people are, you know, using opportunities to love their neighbors. Uh, today, our volunteers are delivering, uh, today and tomorrow, 5,000 orchids that a kind Christian business donated to us, to frontline people in hospitals and policemen. Being a witness in the community, uh, I've encouraged our people, I see it, wherever you go, gossip the gospel. If you're standing in one of those horrendous lines for Trader Joe's or whatever, you know, look for those opportunities because people are scared, people are frightened, and, and, you know, man's extremity is God's opportunity, and and we need to embrace that. Maybe on the negative side, I hope—I'm a little concerned that how quickly, guys—you can maybe chime in on this—I'm also disturbed a little how quickly the church gets hysterical. You know, um, you're looking at blogs and listening to some conversations, you know, at, uh, you know, the shadow of the Antichrist is being cast and, you know, this conspiracy to vaccinate the world and we're going to have chips to follow us wherever we go. Well, I don't discount that this biblical prophecy and, and aspects of life make us think. But, uh, you know, 10 weeks ago, we had the best economy in the world. 10 weeks ago, President Trump and Vice President Pence were setting up you know, a committee on religious liberty and looking at Christians who are being persecuted across the world, and, you know, eight, ten weeks later, we think, you know, this is world persecution, the church is being singled out, you know, the, the you know, the shadows of, of the Antichrist kingdom are, are falling on us. I'm over, you know, I'm just disturbed how quickly we lose our, our, our perspective. You know, Second Timothy 4, 5 has been a really helpful verse for me. The NIV says, you know, keep your head in all things. And as a leader, I've tried to help my people. Okay, let's keep our head in all things here. Yes, we're seeing globalism, and how quickly the world changes. Um, I personally don't see any direct fulfillment of prophecy in the plague, because I believe the signs of Matthew 24 are fulfilled in the Great Tribulation and Revelation 6. And as a One who believes I'm not appointed to wrath, I'm not going to be party to most of that. So I'm trying to keep my head theologically, trying to interpret the world biblically, and trying to remind our people just to calm down a little, don't try and connect too many dots, and remember where we were seven or eight or ten weeks ago. Does that make any sense? What do you guys think of that?
1: Yes, well, those are some wonderful words of perspective, and we want to talk more about that because so many people are concerned about churches' liberties in our culture now with the pandemic of non-essential church businesses, so to speak, and we'll talk more about that when we come back here on A View from the Wall.
0: From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. Aren't you glad God can do anything, at any time, for anyone? I wonder why God cares about we stubborn and rebellious people. I wonder why God would want to use or help any of us at all, but He does, and in that I rejoice. We serve a God who loves to do the amazing for and through the unlikely. God helped Jacob after He swindled his brother and dishonored his father. God rescued Jonah when he was in the deep. God gave victory to King Hezekiah and his people when they were surrounded by a large and powerful army. God helped David when he faced Goliath on the battlefield. Scripture notes that God is an ever-present help in times of trouble, and I believe He particularly loves to bless those who boldly step out in faith to serve Him. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. Iamawatchman.com
1: Welcome back to View from the Wall. This is Dylan and Joe, and we're talking with Pastor Philip DeCorsi, Senior Pastor of Kindred Community Church in California. He's also the host of Know the Truth at KTT.org. You may be familiar with hearing him there. But today, as we continue talking about the pandemic and how it's affecting churches in our world, one of the things that may be concerning for those in California, especially, is this idea that the governors put churches in the same non-essential category as entertainment venues. And now there are many California pastors who are looking to defy these orders and to reopen as early as possible. Now, Philip, uh, you've been in ministry a number of years. Give us a little advice uh, to pastors and to churches as to when the time is right to obey God rather than men. I know there's some biblical uh, advice here. Tell us kind of some guidelines you would give.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. It's a, it's a challenging one. You know, what Newsom says, and he's not the only one where several states have put the church into a kind of non-essential category. That saddens me, but it doesn't shock me. From my perspective, he's completely wrong. As to opening, we we have made this determination so far, and it's not easy. I'm trying to deal with the balances of obeying the government, Romans 13, 1 Peter 2. I want to live a quiet and peaceable life. I want to pray for those who are in authority. Yet I see in Acts 22, maybe, in Acts 26, Paul's not frightened in Act sixteen. Paul's not frightened to use his Roman citizenship to um protect himself and get get justice. so I don't think. Right now, Christians are being singled. I, don't, I personally don't see it right now as a religious liberty issue. We can, as Christians, determine what we want is, is better than what anybody else wants, when we're, when, we're being, when we're not being singled out or persecuted. That's a different thing. If he's telling me, hey, I'm going to attack you for being a Christian, boom, Acts 5, I'm going to disobey you. But right now, I'm just dealing with whatever citizens are dealing with, like in London during the Blitz. When the lights went out and you were told to shelter in place because the bombers were coming, it didn't matter whether you were a Christian or non-Christian, you obeyed that law. What we're waiting for is if the governor begins to open the state more widely and schools open and other establishments open and and he treats the church unequally, then that's when I'm going to cry foul. That's when I'm going to challenge legally. I'm going to ask others to challenge that legally so that as a Christian my liberties are not being infringed upon. But, but right now, from what I know, um, I feel I'm duty-bound, whether I like it or not. I mean, look, I've chosen to live in California. If I don't want to have to deal as much with, with the, the kind of crazies here on the left coast, I can move. But, but I've chosen to live in California. I love it for several reasons, and I interface with somewhat with a very aggressive culture against us. But I'm also called to obey. Until I'm, you know, either my, my, my rights are being infringed and I've got, you know, legal recourse, or I'm being directly asked to disobey God. And at the moment, I can't make an argument that, you know, when this law was passed, the shelter in place, I don't think it was directed at churches or Christians or pulpits in any direct sense. We just are part of the collateral damage of that governmental choice. And frankly, You know, President Trump and and the federal government has devolved that authority to the governors. And I live in a state where my governor is Newsom. I don't agree with him. I don't like his policies. Um, But right now, I believe my modus operandi needs to be obey the civil authorities until I have reason to disobey them. And I'm not there yet. And that's what I'm trying to help my people think through. I'm not convinced it's direct persecution. Um, He has, from what I'm told legally, the power to do what he's doing. But as he begins to open up and churches are put in some kind of silly category, along with the entertainment industry, that's when I can fight based on, you know, the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment and uh, being treated unequally. And I want to fight for my essential presence within the community. Does that make sense? You want to jump back on that?
3: Oh, it absolutely makes sense. And thank you so much for giving it a sense of balance and not referring to it as persecution and comparing it to the way we see persecution, meaning prison and torture and death in some other countries. That's definitely the right attitude.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, again, back to the perspective where this started Perspective is always important. We get caught up in the moment. I've got emotions. I've got political passions. Got to step back. This started with the federal government, with President Trump and Mike Pence and the task force. And and, and then they devolved that authority to governors. So if you, if you follow the connection, I don't see this thing starting out as some conspiracy to attack the church or to persecute the church. We ended up in a pandemic. Certainly doesn't seem to be as bad as we thought, but it would be easy to Monday morning quarterback. I don't want to do that. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But now it's time to move towards opening. I'm looking for my governor in California to use some common sense. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm willing to be a little bit more patient. But as he makes decisions that him continue to impact my liberty that I think are illegal or unfair, I'm willing to challenge that. But I don't see that and I don't see direct persecution. And I wish Christians wouldn't do that. I wish they wouldn't fall into that hysteria. One it minimizes what our brothers are truly dealing with across the world. Hebrews thirteen, remember those in prison? And, and and you know, while while I would say this, some crazy and politically motivated, ideologically motivated politicians somewhere in the states can target Christians in a in a particularly nasty way. I don't think we can say there's a wave of persecution going on. Remember this started with Trump, Pence and the federal government. Um, but but at the same time, we're being reminded, the first Peter, that as Christians, we can indeed be mocked and you know opposed by the culture. Um, I, I see that increasingly happening in in America. I'm saddened by it. It's a sign that you know our country's going in the wrong direction. At at, at the same time, I don't. I I just think America's a long way off. Personally, given. You know, the present situation given the Bill of Rights, given the amount of Christians that are in this country, given just who, who is on a lot of our judicial benches, I think we're a long way off, uh, you know, from anything like what our brothers are facing in communist countries. So, again, we're back to perspective and balance. Are, can Christians be treated unfairly? And are they in some cases in America? Absolutely. But it's light persecution r- rather than direct or heavy persecution. And you know, I, I need to burn my cross and-, and I need to be happy that I'm kind of worthy to suffer for Christ.
1: Well, we appreciate that perspective. And while it might not be persecution in the historic sense or compared to other countries, there is a spiritual battle taking place. When we come back, we'll talk more about the spiritual warfare involved in what's taking place in our culture now. So stick with us here on a View from the Wall.
0: A view from the wall comes from I Am A Watchman Ministries, established to help individuals know the love of Jesus, enter into a relationship with Jesus, live for Jesus, tell others about Jesus, and prepare for the imminent return of Jesus. We want to inspire the body to live a life of meaning and purpose. And at the coming judgment, hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. The wise will strive to live well so that they can finish well, the prudent will work to be aware of what God has done and what prophecy notes He will do in the days to come. In support of these goals, the I Am a Watchman ministry is happy to make available at no cost a wealth of discipleship, prophecy, and spiritual growth resources for those who desire to learn and those who are called to lead. Find out more by visiting our website, imawatchman.com. That's IAMAWatchman.com.
1: Welcome back to A View from the Wall. We are here with Philip DeCourcy, who is the pastor at Kindred Community Church in California and is also the host of Know the Truth at KTT.org. And today, as we continue talking in our last segment about the pandemic that's sweeping our world today, we want to discuss this issue of spiritual warfare. While the things that we face now are not considered persecution in the historic, literal sense, there is a spiritual battle taking place. And Pastor Philip, talk a little bit about what the average Christian faces when it comes to spiritual battles and what you're seeing in terms of how the Bible applies to this area today.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a constant. Before we went into the pandemic, we were dealing with spiritual warfare and in the middle of it, and we come out the other side of it, it's the it's the same. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Um, and, and as old A.W. Tozer said, this world is not a playground, it's a battleground. And so, you know, we just need to figure that in to how we look at life. If I was kind of to define... Spiritual warfare, just at street level, you say to your listeners on a day-to-day basis, what does that look like? I think mostly it looks like you've got to fight over your walk with God. You know, holiness doesn't come easily. Um, remaining separate from the world and unspotted from the world—that that—that doesn't come easily. You know, I learned early on in my Christian life that you know I'm going to have to fight for my walk with God, and I'm encouraging our listeners just to have that mentality. The the world is not a playground, it's a battleground. Go to Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, put on the armor of God. We have got to fight every day uh, over every inch of our life to stay pure and holy and occupy until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And Paul said right up until the moment he breathed his last, I have fought the good fight. There's no putting the sword down, guys, until we're dead or raptured.
3: That is such a great way to put it. And you've been on the program before, Pastor DeCourcy, so you know we like to wrap each program with a word of challenge and encouragement. What's the challenge for those who watch, warn, witness, and seek to finish well at what is definitely a difficult time in church history, at least in our generation?
2: Sure. Well, I want to thank them for being Watchmen and Watchwomen. We're thankful for those who are, you know, lifting up their eyes because the redemption draws near. I think the thought I would share with you guys and the listeners, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 to 17, it begins with, be not shaken. They'd been told they were in the day of the Lord. That contradicted Paul's doctrine of the rapture. Uh, he tells them, no, you're not in the day of the Lord. Uh, the, the, law, the lawless one, one hasn't come. Antichrist hasn't been revealed. The Holy Spirit indwelling the church hasn't been removed. So don't be shaken. And then he finishes by saying in verse 16 of that passage, Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us with an everlasting consolation and good hope establish you in every good word. Or verse 16, Stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught. Don't be shaken, be steadfast. Our confidence is that we have been not appointed on the wrath, but on the salvation. We've got the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. And as uh, Admiral James Stockdale said about his eight years in Vietnam, um, the reason he survived was because he never lost faith in the end of the story. He prevailed knowing in the end. He would get through that and and, and beyond that. And, And we must never lose faith in the end of the story. The future is good for the church. Don't be shaken. Be steadfast.
1: Those are such good works. Don't be shaken. And I hope you've appreciated Pastor DeCurcy's message today. If you have, I'd encourage you to go to KTT.org. You can sign up for his weekly devotionals, hear some more of his messages, and be encouraged by his writings as well. He's not just a great pastor, but also an excellent writer. So find out more about his books at KTT.org. And Pastor DeCurcy, thanks for being with us today on A View from the Wall.
2: Hey, privilege, and thank you for all you do. Um, Just in enriching the church. God bless.
1: And again, all of you have been listening. We appreciate you being with us. Check out more at IamAWatchman.com. Again, that's IamAWatchman.com. And reach out to us there and on social media. And we'd love to talk with you more. Thanks so much. Join you next time.
0: A View from the Wall, in association with I Am A Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip Watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit Iamawatchman.com. A view from the wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am a Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at Iamawatchman.com and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.